So this Divine Direction series, I believe God laid this on my heart because I get asked all the time, Frank, I just, I need you to pray that God will show me what to do in this situation. That I wouldn't know what to do, where to go. It's almost like people are asking, I wish I had a GPS right here in my head, just installed in my head or my heart or my spirit that knows exactly what I'm supposed to do. It's like when I wake up in the morning, I know exactly that I'm supposed to do this or, or, the, or the big decisions in life. Which way to go? You know, not, not long ago, I had to take a trip to, to Alabama on a, on a quick day trip and I, uh, and I had my, my phone and so I was prepared because I was traveling through a part of Alabama I wasn't really sure about. And so I was traveling with my phone, but I forgot my charger. And so as I was traveling back home, my phone had died, and I was in the middle of nowhere, and I came across a, a, an intersection, kind of a big highway, and I was like, all right, I think I'm supposed to turn here, but I have no idea. You know, when you got GPS going, you're just like, you know, it tells you what to do, right? You're just like, whatever. And so you're driving. But on the way back, when it died, I was like, okay, what do I do? So I found this, this little Walmart, small Walmart, you know, back in the, in the rural sticks of Alabama. And that was, that was almost as scared as walking in there as it was uh, being lost in, in Alabama. But I, I was able to get a, a uh, car charger uh, there and, and wait for my phone to charge and be able to get that direction again and get hop back and on uh, to, um, uh, to back to the house. But I was, I was done for. I was, I was totally lost. I know some of you guys are like going, come on, Frank. Come on, you're supposed to look at those things. You're supposed to look at directions. I know. I know it's sad. You know, your, your, your pastor doesn't really just look at the maps and study those. I used to you know, where we didn't have phones. But some of you are guilty of that as well. Some of you are like just, your phone just tells you exactly what to do. Some of you even, because I'm guilty of it myself, some of you are even guilty of even around town. Like, okay, I'm on this side of town. How do I get to the other side of town? What's the fastest way? Because I got to be there in like two minutes, you know. And so we use that, that GPS. And, um, and I would imagine that you were probably going to use that GPS sometime this summer. You may have a, 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 a trip planned um, this summer. Our family's got a couple of uh, trips planned this summer, and we're going to use that GPS. And, um, and so as we approach summer, uh, we're going to have some stories to tell about our summer. But we got to get there. Because one thing I do know is you're not going to have a story to tell about your summer, you're not gonna have any pictures to show about your summer trip unless you get there. I think we can all agree with that. And so it's very important that, that, we, get to our, um, that we get to our destination. A great uh, story to tell is not about you getting lost. I mean, if your family plans a trip to the Grand Canyon, uh, the, the story shouldn't be, well, we started and then we got lost, so we just came back home. That's not a great story. There's no pictures. There's no adventure. There's no stopping by to see the biggest ball of yarn, you know, in the middle of nowhere. You know, the, you have those stories that you could tell, but, but without a destination, there is no story. To tell the story of our life, we need to arrive at certain destinations designed for us by God, in order to tell the story of our life, 
We need to arrive at the destination designed for us by God. And, and I don't mean like the ultimate def- destination of, 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 of going to heaven. I mean like major destinations that happen in our life. Whether it, it could be, you know, getting married, starting, starting a family, and, and, and maybe starting a job or relocating. I mean, lots of decisions. People get caught up in the big decisions. I need to know, is, is, is she the one? Do I, do I ask her, you know, the big question? Or it's like, okay, is he the love of my life? Is he my, my dream man, right? Or, or should we relocate the business? You know, should I change schools? Uh, you know, should I uh, start this career path? What college do I go to? Lots of big questions, lots of big decisions. And it's using these big decisions that we lean into people um, that, that can give us some great answers. We, we lean, in, lean into maybe people who are, who are a stage or two down the road from us, who are ahead of us, and we lean into them. You know, before you start a family, you lean into people who have kids, okay? Um, before you uh, get married, you, you lean into people who have been married. You get counsel, you get advice. And so you might could get advice from people, but maybe you're getting advice from God's word. Maybe you're getting advice in prayer. Whatever, these big life decisions that you're seeking direction, that we're all seeking direction. They're big, and so we, we go to people for that. But I've come to believe that life's biggest decisions are much more easily made when the small choices of everyday life are valued and placed on a higher pedestal of importance. Okay, let me say that again. I believe that the life's biggest decisions, the big, the big ones, are much more easily made when the small choices of everyday life are valued and placed on a higher pedestal of importance. It's the small choices no one sees that result in the big impact everyone wants. Most of us struggle to connect the small choices we're constantly making with the big differences we want to see in our lives. So really the big decisions, the big, the big destinations in our life that we're really seeking direction, it's more about the very simple choices. It's more about the small things. And you know what? We don't like to do the small things. We like to do the big things. We like to do the, the, the things that like, we're gonna make an impact. I wanna make big decisions, big choices, I'm gonna do some big things. And you know, and that's great. But the problem is that if we're so focused on the big things, we're never gonna do big things because the small, everyday things in our life we're ignoring or we're not putting value into them. And so in this series, I want us to look at the things that are very small and very simple that can make a huge impact in our destination and where we wanna go in the direction of our lives. And so to get to the destination designed by God in your life, you will need to make 
several choices to start doing some things and to stop doing some things. Just like when you're driving, when you're on a trip, you're gonna do, I know, you're gonna do lots of things when you're driving, okay? I don't mean like texting and drinking coffee. I mean like actually driving. There's gonna be turns. You know, there, you're gonna put your blinker on, all this kind of stuff. You're gonna put your brake on. There's going to be several things. But today, I want us to talk about two things that you're gonna do in life that you need to be doing in life that is just very, very similar to driving. Starting and stopping. You say, Frank, really? It's that simple? Yes, it's that simple. Because I believe, I believe we have made life's big decisions into too big of a thing. And I believe that we are overlooking the small choices in our life. It's all about starting the small things and stopping the small things. It's the things no one sees that result, that result in the big impact everyone wants. So there's a story in, in God's word. We're gonna be in, in Daniel chapter six. We're actually gonna be in two passages in God's word. We're gonna be in Daniel chapter six and then uh, from a next point, we're gonna skip, we're gonna do a completely different area of the Bible. We're gonna be in Exodus. But if you have your copy of God's word, we're gonna look at Daniel chapter six. We're gonna look at a familiar passage uh, I, I've actually taught uh, through this uh, passage before. We've actually have uh, spent a whole series on Daniel, but there's something about Daniel in these uh, few verses here that I wanna bring out that's gonna help us with our small choices of, especially of starting. So the story of Daniel, well, he's, a, he's an Old Testament prophet, but before he was a prophet, he was just a, he was just a teenager, he was a teenager who was, uh, as many of you know, who was exiled uh, with, with thousands of other Jews to a foreign pagan country. Well, as Daniel grew, he, he, he got in favor with, with the king. And King Darius, at the time of this passage, was, uh, was king over Persia. And so uh, King Darius had 120 governors ruling over uh, Persia. But Ruling over those 120 governors, he had three administrators, three big dog administrators. One of those was Daniel. One of those was Daniel. And so um, as we look at this, I want to I read through Daniel chapter 6, verses 4 through 7. And it says this, at this, administrators and uh, satraps, which are the governors, tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, make King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, perfects, and satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce um, the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. To a pagan king, that seemed pretty good. Yeah, just for 30 days, people could pray to me. We don't need to pray to any other gods. Sounds 
really good. So when Daniel heard about this 30-day restriction on prayer, he did something that he had been doing for many, many years. One small, simple choice that he'd been doing for many years. What is that? We find it in verse 10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done. And as a result, as the story goes on, you may be familiar with, they, they found him doing that and breaking that decree and put him in the lion's den and God rescued him from that But Daniel wasn't scared. He was prepared. He was prepared. He was prepared because of a a simple, small choice that he made years ago. And that is this. I'm gonna pray to to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. I'm gonna pray to the God of Israel three times a day. And he, he did it every day. He says that. Same thing. He didn't change anything. He didn't change anything. He wasn't scared about, oh, what should I do? We have, this, we have this new law. What should I be doing? Well, you should be doing exactly what you've been doing, of the simple, small choice of praying three times a day. You know, many times we, we could be put in a, in a tight spot. Maybe something changes at work or something in your family dynamics, you know, or or at school, maybe in inner relationships or whatever, and you're like, what should I do? What should I do? Instead of those big decisions, worrying about those big decisions, if you have solidified the important small choices, then those big decisions are not gonna be so scary. And you're gonna know exactly what to do. So, what did, we, what did we learn from Daniel in this? What did we learn from Daniel? There's a couple of things I want us to look at in this passage. Number one, start where you are. Start from where you are. Put yourself in Daniel's shoes. Daniel was exiled. He lost his family. He lost his home. He had to go to a different culture, learn a new language, all of these things. And he didn't allow that to affect him making that choice of praying three times a day. He started from where he was at. Oh, but I'm, I'm not around the temple. I'm not around Jerusalem. I'm not around where, where the glory of God dwells. Doesn't matter. Start from where you are. You, your life story might have some chapters in it you would love to delete. But I'm gonna encourage you, instead of deleting those chapters, redeem them. Don't delete, redeem. And the way you do that is you start from where you are. Don't let those chapters in your life, uh, maybe, maybe there's some failures, maybe there's some, some things you just kind of messed up on or whatever, maybe you got embarrassed with or, or whatever that is, I want you to start from where you are. Start from where you are. Don't try to erase those chapters. Or don't try to 
let those chapters um, dictate your life story. Just like at the mall, when you look at the, look at the map and you try to find out, okay, what store am I gonna go to? And you're trying to find the star because the star shows you are here. Okay, where am I? Okay, you are here. You gotta find out where you're at. Where are you? Where are you? You might be in the middle of, of a couple of chapters you don't really like. Okay, it's fine. Start from where you are. Start there. Well, Frank, I've, I've, gone through, I've gone through a bad marriage. I've gone through a divorce. Start from where you are. Man, Frank, I've lost my job. Start from where you are. Got a bad health report. Start from where you are. Right there, you've got to start something. You've got to start something. You know, we, uh, we have this idea that everything has to be done when everything is just right. We like, we like to start when things are, things are like at a place that we feel like is good to start from. When, when everything is right, oh, this is, a, this is a good time to start something. This is a good time to, to start making a, a small choice in my life because things are, things are lining up right. Things are good. We remind you, with Daniel, things were not good, but he started from where he was. He started from where he was. So that, that's one thing we learn from Daniel. Start from where you are. And, and the second thing is this. Just, just do one thing. Just one thing. Think of something in your life. Think of something small. Small, not big. The small things will lead to the big things. But what is one small choice that you can make that you know you need to make, that people are telling you to make. What is that small choice that you need to make, that you need to do over and over and over again? Now, you may have, because I do, right now in my head, I'm thinking of lots of things I need to be doing. Okay, you need to do one thing, and it's, it's difficult. I'm not, a, I'm not a do one thing kind of guy. I'm just not wired that way. I have to force myself. I'm, I'm always multitasking. When I'm, when I'm, when I'm you know, browsing think, you know, things and stuff on the internet at work and trying to you know, make things happen at work and, and, and trying to prepare sermons and all this, I've got like 20 tabs open and I'm like going back from one thing to the next. I know that's probably not the best way, to, most productive way to work. That's just how I'm wired. So for me to say just do one thing, I mean, that's, I'm challenging myself as well. But you need to find out what is that one main thing that you need to start doing. Just simple, one thing that you need to start and just do it. You know, we don't see anything in Daniel's life, nothing else in God's word in this passage that Daniel has been doing. Daniel had one thing. And he's been doing it. One thing. He goes to God three times a day just to be with him, get wisdom from him. I mean, he was an advisor of the most powerful country in the world at the time. So just one thing. So start from where you are. Start something. Start where you are. Things don't have to be just perfect, okay? 
It didn't matter what's happened in the past and just pick one thing. So we have to start something. Not only do we have to start some things, we also need to stop doing some things. We need to stop doing something. There's a, there's a passage in Exodus, and we're gonna be in Exodus chapter 18 if you wanna jump over there. Totally different character, totally different part of God's word, obviously still in the Old Testament. But in this passage, we learn a truth uh, that is so very valuable. And even when we talked through uh, the Moses series, uh, we, we actually read this passage. But I'm gonna talk to you real quick. I'm gonna pull something out of this passage today that I, I, I have it shared in the past, and so this is a, a truth that is so, um, so valuable to us today. But Moses knew something had to change. So Moses had, um, had led the people out of, out of Egypt by God's power. They crossed the Red Sea. They were in the desert. They had not gone into the, the, the promised land, obviously. And so he's in the desert with the Israelites, and what he's doing and he's at, he is basically acting as a judge. So all day, every day, he sat and he listened to people and to where, you know, any gripes, complaints, uh, you know, about relationships or, you know, uh, about property or about, you know, possessions. And so he would make judgment decisions and he would listen to people all day long. So his father-in-law, Jethro, came to him with some good advice. Now, I, I sort of see Jethro as sort of a John Wayne, you know, kind of guy. And I, I don't really do a great John Wayne impression, you know. But just imagine a guy like a John Wayne, sort of obviously an outdoorsman kind of guy, cowboyish kind of guy. He was a rancher, you know, and, and, and stuff. And, and he shared something that is very profound. In fact, what he says, is, you can actually read it um, in today's situation. It can be so applied to today that it's unreal. So we're going to be in Exodus chapter 18, verse 17 through 19. And it says this, Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. Now, if you have your father-in-law come to you and say, what you are doing is not good, Obviously, that gets, his, that gets your attention fast. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. In other words, Moses, you're doing way too much. You don't need to be doing all this stuff. You need to be the representative between the people and God, and that is your job. You don't need to handle all of these disputes. You don't need to be involved in this, not at all. Do you ever feel like that? Maybe. Maybe there's some, some things in, in your life right now. It's like, yeah, I'm, I feel like I'm doing, I'm doing too much. I need to stop doing some things. There's some things in my life I need to stop doing because I don't need to be doing them. It's not in my job description. And there's freedom in that. There is. 
whether it's at work or at, or at home, or whether it's in as some kind of relationship. You know, there's some things that maybe you need to look at and say, I need to stop doing some things. What are you doing today that's not good for your story? The story that God's writing for your life. That's, that's, that's part of your destination, your next destination. What are you doing right now that's not gonna be good for you to tell later on? That's not gonna be good for your story. We, we read on in, in same chapter, Exodus 18, verse 24 through 26, we see Moses' response. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. Smart man. He chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. So Moses took the advice, said, you're right, I can't do all of this. Somebody else is gonna do this. So I need to stop doing this and set up a system, a process to where it gets taken care of. Again, we need to ask ourselves, what is something that we're doing that's not gonna be good for our story? You know, it's, um, it's interesting. You read the account of Moses and his life. Outside you know, outside the whole Red Sea thing and stuff, the, the, the miracles, the, the leadership that Moses is able to do through, you know, through God and his power and his might, none of that happened until after Moses decided, I'm gonna stop doing this. Because God had a bigger story God's story for Moses when not, Moses led the people out of Egypt, then he got in the desert and he was stuck there because all he did was listen to the disputes and judge the people and everybody died in the desert. They just stayed there. They never got to the promised land because he was just caught up in doing something that he wasn't supposed to do. What are you doing that you need to stop doing? What are you doing that you need to stop doing? Now, I don't mean, I don't mean responsibility things. Students, kids, I'm not saying that you need to stop cleaning your room. I need to stop cleaning my room. I listen to Pastor Frank, okay? I don't mean those things. Things that are responsible, absolutely, but, but sometimes we put too much on ourselves. We need to evaluate. What are some things that you're doing that's keeping you in your desert? Because God has a story for you. And it's not all about being caught up in doing all these other things. And so God's story for Moses was, was a great thing. Maybe, maybe you're even doing some things that not just that are taking up your time. Maybe you're doing some things that you know you shouldn't be doing. That's not good for your family. That's not good for you. 
Maybe, maybe you, you're caught up into some routines that are unhealthy. Unhealthy to your relationships, unhealthy in your job, unhealthy with uh, your routine of life, and it just, you're, just, you're just stuck in the mud. Your, spot, your, your, your tires are spinning, and you're stuck because you're doing some things that you know that God doesn't want you to do. You need to stop doing some things. Because God's going to honor, God's gonna honor obedience. You know, a couple of things I've, learned, I've looked at from this passage we can take home. Number one, we, we, can, we need to listen to the voices. We need to listen to the voices. You know, God, you know that God has placed voices all around you of people who are helping you? There, there could be people in your life who they're dropping hints to you. They're dropping hints to you. It could be your doctor. Uh, your blood pressure is way too high. That's God saying, yeah, you need to stop eating these things and start exercising. That's simple. I know, it, I know it's a really, really simple thing. That's a really simple choice. I mean, some choices are, are, are difficult to make, but in all reality, when you all break it down to it, they're very small, everyday choices. Because you and I, we get caught up in the big things. We get caught up in the things that we can share on social media, that we can look back and say, man, look at these big things. Look at these big choices. Look at, you know, we, we, we uh, relocated our family. We started this job and, and our started this career, went to this college, and those are great. But we love those big things. But it's the small things that we don't really care about too much. God is saying to you today, there's some small things you need to stop doing, and there's some small things you need to start doing. You know, there could be other people in your life who are your voices. Your spouse, okay, your spouse is a voice. And, and I know there's some, could be marriages in here where, you know, it's, it's you know, could be, you know, some, some people think it's a nagging kind of voice, I guess. I don't know. I didn't really marry married a nag, so I don't really know. Praise God, Jesus. But I don't, really, I don't really know what that feels like. But I do know this. My wife speaks into me with love, you know, and she'll say something like, I love that tummy. <laughs> what is she saying? It's time for you to start running, bro. <laughs> but she says it in a positive, encouraging way, you know. And so, but there are people in your life, they're speaking words into you. Your kids, your kids are like super honest, aren't they? Especially little kids. The smaller they are and they're able to talk, man, they are brutally honest. They do it with love. You can't really do anything. You just love them, you know? You know but it, but there, are, there are people in your life, they're speaking to you. Uh, God's word, God's word will speak to you as you read through this. That's why it's so important for you to get into his word. It does speak. It's alive, it's active, and it will cut through like a two-edged sword. It will cut through the junk. 
It will cut through all the way to the truth. It will separate the things in your life that shouldn't be there. It will tell you, look, you need to stop doing this and you need to start doing this. It's all about starting and stopping, just like traveling, going to a destination. And so you need to listen to the voices because I, I know this for a fact. God is speaking to you, and if you don't obey that, you're walking in disobedience. You are. I'm saying that as lovingly as I can as your pastor. And I'm saying that to me as well, of course. When you and I don't obey the voice of God, we are walking in disobedience. And let me tell you something. God does not bless disobedience. God does not bless disobedience. That's not, that's not my opinion. That's written all over his word. Now, let me tell you something. He loves you with an incredible, amazing love. And he's just gonna let you hang out in the desert, let your tires spin, whatever, and you're not gonna get much traction. He's still gonna love you there, but you are not going to get to the destination he's designed for you until you start obeying his voice. How is God speaking to you? Because if God ain't speaking, it's because you ain't listening. God is speaking to you all the time. Remove some distractions. Ask the Lord, what are you telling me? How are you speaking to me? Through prayer, through the Bible, through your church, through my family, those people who love me. How are you speaking to me? He will. And he is. You gotta listen. So listen to the voices. That's what Moses did. He listened to Jethro. Yes, sir. Gotcha. I'm gonna do it. And he did. Second thing that I, you kind of figure it out through Moses. I, you know, I wonder if Moses visualized his life down the road. I wonder if he thought, man, if I keep doing this, I can't sustain this. It's gonna kill me. This ain't the promised land. We're in the desert. This, we're, we're getting nowhere. But, but I feel like I gotta do this because I'm the leader. And so, if I don't stop doing this, we're never gonna get where we need to be. Maybe you, you're there as well. If I don't stop doing this, I'm never gonna get where I need to be. So sometimes, sometimes you, you probably need to get to point to where what I call it is, is play it forward. Play it forward. Play your situation forward a little bit. Now, I don't mean like visualize sin. I don't mean like scenarios of, of, of sinful acts. But I'm talking about those small things that you're doing that you know you need to stop doing. If you play it forward. So for, let me give you some examples. So let's say if, you know, you need to stop, you know, putting certain things in your body, whether it be cigarettes or, or alcohol, you know, or certain foods or those kinds of things. 
and you know you need to stop doing that. But play that forward. Let's say, for instance, hypothetically, if you never stop doing those things, putting things in, uh, certain things in your body, doing certain things in your body, let's say if you never stop that and just play that forward, there's a very good chance you won't see your kids graduate. You won't see your grandchildren. There's a very good chance that you'll miss out on lots of great things in your life that God has planned for you. Play that forward. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be a downer here. I'm just trying to give you a tool. Plan your life forward with certain things you know you need to stop doing is a very powerful tool for you to visualize and say, if I keep doing this, this could happen. Play it forward. You're looking at things on the internet you shouldn't be listening, looking at. Students, adults, looking at things that you know don't bring glory to God. Let's say if you keep doing that, if you keep doing that, that's going to trickle into your future marriage. That's going to trickle into your current marriage. You could end up with an adulterous affair because the things that you're watching you want to play out. The things you fantasize you want to try to look for because you think that's real and it's really not real. And then you lose the most important things in your life. Play that forward. Or let's say frivolous spending. Frivolous spending. You're just wasting, wasting money on things. And then you get, you play that forward. It's like, well, that's just going to lead to wanting more and wanting more and wanting debt, more debt, more debt. And you're not able to do the fun things with your family that you really want to do or the fun things in your life that you really want to do because of the choices you're, you're making with the frivolous spending. And so, if you don't stop doing some things, it could end up you're stuck in the desert. And I, I think that Moses, I would imagine, what Jethro was saying to Moses, Moses was like, you know what? He's right. If I keep doing this, I'm in the desert. And we're not getting nowhere. I'm not getting any traction. We're just going to stay here. And things are only going to get worse. So I'm going to make that change. I'm going to stop doing something in order for me to start doing something else. What is that in your life? What is that for your life? So we need to, we need to start doing some things and we need to stop doing some things. You know, stop making it about the big decisions and start making it about the small decisions. Those small decisions will prepare you to receive direction from God as he leads you where you want to go, where he wants you to go. Those small decisions, it's about the small decisions. Say, Frank, that's really simple. I came here to church today just to hear that. Yes, you did. Because when you all break it down, it's really that simple. 
But I need to know what to do with the big decisions in my life. I've got some big things. I've got some big choices I need to make. Where do I go? What do I do? You're going to know what to do. You know why? Because when you decide to make the small choices in your life, the small choice of having time with God, doing the right things in relationships, stop yelling at your kids, stop yelling at your spouse, stop eating the wrong things, stop putting things in your body, you know, stop overworking, those kinds of things, and start doing some things, replacing those with small everyday things. Let me tell you, God will show you what to do. He will. He will show you what to do. Back when I was in high school, I was a senior, and I committed myself to pray um, multiple times a week that God would show me what college to go to. And I shared this a little bit before, but I just prayed, God, these are big decisions. I don't know where to go. Where, I mean, this is, this is an important decision. I mean, where I go to college is going to set the trajectory for my life for the next several years, may ultimately my life. So where do I go? Lord, I'm going to give it to your hands. So, Lord, I just need you to show me. I need you to show me. So I prayed that over and over again. And finally, I was getting to the point to where God was saying, look, the school that offers you the biggest scholarship, that's where I want you to go. Okay? So I began praying, Lord, whatever school offers me the biggest scholarship, go. That's where I would go. Got a small, small scholarship from Texas State University. Thought I was going there in April. Got a phone call from LSU. They offered me great scholarship. I was bigger than the one at Texas State. Went to LSU. Glad I did. Met my wife. Started my ministry. It was awesome. And it's where I was supposed to be. I didn't fret about the big decision because I made the small choice to pray many, many, many times, Lord, show me where you want me to go. Show me where you want me to go. I visited like two, maybe three schools. It's not like I went on this tour, you know, looking at all this. I just, I just put it in God's hand. You could do the same thing. So stop fretting over the big decisions and focus on the small things. The small thing. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you're retired. I don't care if you're a teenager. You can start. You can start with the small things and start from where you are right here, right now. Start doing those things and stop doing other things. But you need to figure those out. You need to figure those out. And, and, and when you start something, just do one thing at a time. One thing at a time. I would encourage you, there might, you might even be someone who, I need to start reading through God's word. Great, do that, do that in a year. And next year, add something else. Well, I need to start, you know, exercising or whatever. Whatever that looks like. Maybe every year, add on something, a small thing that you do multiple times a week or even every day. And then those big decisions will take care of themselves. They will. 
and God will lead you to a divine destination. God will give you divine direction of where you, you should be going, a place designed for you and your family.